Oh, amen, amen. Hey, how about you stand to your feet with me today? And come on, can you give the Lord some praise this morning? Come on, all across this place. Come on, just give the Lord some more praise. If you know he's been good to you, you know that he's faithful. Listen, I, I, I am so excited to be here with you today. As you're standing, why don't you just grab your Bible? Make sure I'm not messing this up here. Grab your Bible. Um, and you can turn to John chapter 4. And let me just go ahead and say I am so honored to be at Hill City, uh, to be with you. And uh, my wife and my sons will be here for second service. We popped in last week. And uh, we popped in last week to, we honestly, we just moved from Houston uh, to Dallas, Texas. And so now that we're here, we are so excited about the journey and the the, the, the things that the Lord is doing in our lives. But listen, when I popped into church last week, being here with you, I began to realize y'all ain't playing. Come on, now, yeah, yeah, this, y'all ain't, if you come to Hill City, you ain't playing church. You is, you about it. Is that right? Amen. I realize y'all want the real thing. So, uh, cause you know, you can go to some churches and they just playing you know, and just uh, going through the motions. But here, if you're here, you say, I want the real thing. So listen, because you're not playing, I ain't playing today either. Yeah, I got, I got a word in my heart that I believe is from the Lord. And so I want you to turn to John chapter four, and I want to read this to you. John four, verse one through four, it says, now when Jesus learned that the Pharisees had heard that Jesus was making and baptizing more disciples than John, although Jesus himself did not baptize, but only his disciples. That's incredible leadership there. Verse 3, he left Judea and departed again to Galilee. And verse 4 says, he had to pass through. Somebody say, he, he had, had to pass through. He had to pass through. Samaria. Now, I just read that to you in the ESV, the English Standard Version. Now, I'm not sure what version Bible you're reading today. Maybe you got NLT, NIV, NKJV, KJV, you know, whatever you may have. You may even have the message translation, but this is one of the very few verses in all of Scripture that is translated with the same emphasis. This is one of the very few that always includes the fact that this was not an optional pass. This was not something that he had an option to do. It was something that had to happen. He had to pass through Samaria. Okay, so I want to read it for you one more time, and I want to read it in the message because it adds just a few words to it that I think are important. It says, to get there, he had to pass through. To get there. How many of you know God has a there for your life? Oh, I'm trying to make sure I'm in the right house today. How many of you know God has a there for your family? He has a there for this house. He has a there for Hill City. And in order to get there, you've got to go through. You've got to go through. So I came to preach a message to you titled, It Had to Happen. It had to happen. Why don't you touch your neighbor nearby and say, it had to happen. Now touch your neighbor on the other side and say, neighbor, I'm sorry I ignored you. But I want to tell you, it had to happen. 
Let me pray for us today. Let's get started. Lord, we just invite your presence into this place. We say, have your glory, have your way. Open our hearts to understand and receive your word. Open our minds to understand your scripture and anoint this time, Lord. Have your glory in the mighty name of Jesus, we pray. And everyone would say, amen, amen. You may be seated today. You may be seated. I am excited to be sharing with you today. And, uh, you know, before I dive in any further, I am so blessed by the leadership of this house. How many of you love your pastors today? Can I just tell you, you have God's very best. You have God's very best in pastors Adam and Jamie McCain, in the McCain family, in the leadership, in the staff of this house. Why don't you give them a hand today if you appreciate them? And I also just want to preface this by letting you know, um, because of the generation we live in, everything's on the internet and everything's shared. And so oftentimes it's pretty difficult to share something that uh, people will say, man, you're sharing this because so-and-so said it. Can I just go ahead and let you know, this is 100% what God has done in Quentin Carter. Amen. Amen that over the past four years, this is something that the Lord has led me through that I believe that I'm going to shout in your ear what he's been whispering in my ear. And I believe that God has a word for you today and I wanna preach this message on why things had to happen. I came to answer the question because I felt that there's people that have been asking the question why. I don't know about you, but for the past two years or so has been some of the most difficult years of my life. Is that, is that anybody's experience here recently? And maybe you've been asking the question of why. Why did the relationship end? Why did the door close? Why did they have to leave? Why didn't things work out the way you wanted them to work out? And I came to give you an answer today. It had to happen. Oftentimes we'll ask the question why. Why did it happen when people lie on you? Oh, I don't know if we got the real people in the house today. When they lie on you. And then, and then what's worse is when people believe the lie about you. And they believe the lie about your character, and they believe the lie about your heart and about your motives. And, and what you find in Scripture is that God never has a man or a woman of God, whenever they're lied upon, they never refute it. God never tells them to change it. God never tells them to correct it. In fact, if anything, God says, I'll avenge you. God said, God never teaches us to retaliate. He teaches us to live longer than it. See, sometimes you don't have to change the lie. You just got to outlast it. And you got you to gotta live beyond what the enemy tried to do and live beyond what the enemy was trying to do in your family and speak over you. You've got to live beyond it. Came to answer the question of why. Maybe you're here and you've had some dreams that have died. Dreams that the Lord had put in your heart and you're like, why did that dream die? Can I tell you it had to happen? It had to happen. Bible teaches us that unless a seed goes into the ground and dies, it remains but a seed. So some things have to die in your life because God wants to get the full glory. 
not partial glory, not part of, he wants full glory. So what happens is God's not just the God of your living dreams, he's the God of your resurrected dreams. He wants to be the God of the things that died and came back to life. And I felt the Lord saying, as he said to Ezekiel in the Valley of Dry Bones, son of man, can these bones live? And I hear the Lord saying prophesy. So is it okay if I prophesy a little bit in this place today? I saw pictures that the Lord showed me as I was here in the sanctuary last week. I saw pictures of dreams rolled up. Dreams that have been rolled up, plans that God had given, even to leadership, plans that God had given that have been stored up on a shelf. And the Lord says, shake the dust off of those dreams. It's time for them to live again. It's time for him to build them. It's time for dreams to come to pass. God is resurrecting things in this place. And I felt the Lord speaking it over families. He's speaking it over lives. He's saying that there's been things that have been tucked away, put away in a closet, but the vision that the Lord has put in your life and, I heard this, the vision that the Lord has put in your pastor's heart is for such a time as this. It's for such a time as this. And I heard the Lord say, he needs Hill City in communities. He said, I need Hill City uh, I need to release heaven on earth through a place like this. I need to release my heart in the surrounding communities in DeSoto and Wachahachie and, and, and Hill City needs to be in all of the uttermost places of the earth. I felt the Lord releasing vision in this house. But can I caution you really quick as we dive into this word? Do not be a church that doesn't understand what you have. Don't be a house that doesn't understand or recognize the gift of God that is in your life. That the gifts that God has given you in your leadership. See, you have, like I said earlier, God's very best in pastors Adam and Jamie McCain. See, and they are pastors, so they have one of the most relational hearts I've ever met. A heart for building people and loving people intimately and caringly, like just them being in my life and, and, and even over the past few months has just been revolutionary. And this is the gift that you have in this house. But can I also tell you, you don't just have pastors, you have apostles. I just need to teach a little bit because I want you to be able to notice the gift that you have in this house. The, a pastor thinks people first, the apostle thinks heaven first. The apostle is thinking, what does heaven want? Because the apostle knows that what heaven wants is what's best for the people. And so the apostle says, let me see from heaven's perspective. Let me see heaven's vision. And now let's, let's come into agreement with it and let's release it into the earth. Let's train and equip people and let's develop this. And that's what you have in this house. You have incredible apostolic leadership. Come on, do you love them? Do you appreciate them today? I say that to say that when your pastor casts vision, it's not just his vision, it's heaven's vision for this house. That God speaks through your leadership. And I felt that the Lord was speaking this over families today, over marriages today, that God's going to begin to give you revelation for your family, vision for maybe your business or what you're walking through. 
and God's going to begin to open the eyes of your understanding, sometimes what happens is we're living too zoomed in that we can't see everything. And I felt the Lord saying he's about to zoom some people out. And you're going to see the perspective of heaven and you're going to see how God lined things up over your life. And you're like, how, why did this happen? Well, it had to happen at the time that it happened for him to do the things that he needed to do in your life. It had to happen. Touch your neighbor, say yes. It had to happen. So let me teach on this text for a moment. The Bible says in John chapter 4 that Jesus had learned that the Pharisees found out that he was baptizing more people than John the Baptist. What this means is that Jesus made a decision that it's time to move. It's time to move from one location to another. The reason why is because now, because Jesus was baptizing more people than John the Baptist, the attack from the Pharisees was going to come to Jesus. They were going to stop messing with John the Baptist, and now they were about to get on his case, and Jesus is like, it's not my time yet. They were going to get on his case, but it wasn't for a time like this. So he began to make a decision that I've got to move from Judea to Galilee. Now, in the nation of Israel, Judea is a southern portion of Israel. But then the northern portion is Galilee. And in order for him to get there, he had to go through what's right smack dab in the middle, Samaria. Samaria is sitting right there in the middle, and the Bible says that he had to go through Samaria. Now, this was uncomfortable. This was uncomfortable because Samaria, Samaria was an area that Jews would avoid at all costs. It was a, in fact, what they would do is they would rather go the long way around. They would rather go the long way around to get to where they needed to go than go through the shortest way, just not to deal with the Samaritans because the Samaritans were the rejected people. The Samaritans were too uh, Gentile to be a, a Jew, but they were also too Jewish to be a Gentile. So they were rejected by multiple cultures that they weren't Greek enough, but they also weren't Jewish enough. So they just kind of sat in the middle and they just came up with their own identity. In fact, they came up with their own form of worship because they wanted to worship, so they just made their own. And you have these people sitting in the middle and God, God says, I've got to go through this place. And I know it made the disciples uncomfortable, it made those that were with Jesus pretty frustrated. Why do we have to go through there? But God says this, and this is what I felt. God said, we don't have time to go the long way around anymore. We don't have time to be skipping around your issues anymore. Oh, I told you I wasn't playing church today. I felt the Lord say, we don't have time. Time is short. How many of you know what's happening in our culture? Time is short. What's happening in a generation, a generation being redefined and being identified differently, time is short. We don't have time to skip around your insecurities. We don't have time to tiptoe around things that you don't want to talk about, that you don't want to confront, that you don't want to deal with. God says, I'm not taking the long way around anymore. 
that I'm going through the area that you're uncomfortable with. I'm going through the area that you normally avoid, the area that you never talk about, never open up about, that you got frustrated with former leadership about, but God says I've given you leadership to confront some things in your life. Y'all awake this morning. God says I don't have time to go around. We're living in a time that is too short to be playing games, to be going through religion. That's why I love this house and the prophetic flow of this house. So I was here that the releasing of what God is doing, that you're, you're hungry for the move of God, and that's why you can handle a mature word like this today. God says we don't have time to go, go around. He says you've got to go through. How many of you know God will take you through a thing? Saw through his word, yea, though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, I will fear no evil. He will take you through a thing. He who passes through the narrow gate. God wants to take you through the things that were difficult. Oh, man. Feel this. I feel healing is going to be released in this room today. He wants to take you through the things that you wanted to run away from through the things that you thought, man, how could I ever have gotten through it, but yet you got through it. God isn't going around, and some of us are mad because he's not letting us go around anymore. You got people in your life calling things out. You got your spouse, others that are just kind of confronting you, and you're getting frustrated, and it's because God says it's on purpose. I'm bringing things to the surface because in order for you to get there, to get to the purpose, the destiny, the call of God on your life, you got to go through. You can't go around. There's no shortcuts in the kingdom. And God, God's so good that he loves you so much that he won't let you fail a test. So you get to keep taking it. Yeah, he's good like that. He's like, let me give it to you again. Yeah, you messed that one up. Let me give it to you again. He loves you that way. You know, God's goal is to raise mature children, wise children, disciples that are shrewd, that are wise, that are understanding, that understand the times. But in order to raise maturity, you've got to be able to pass the test. You've got to be willing to go through God says that this is a time that you've got to go through this, that you've got to have the honest conversations, that you've got to be willing to reconcile. And Jesus was very clear about his heart concerning reconciliation. In fact, he's given us the ministry of reconciliation and restoration. God wants us to reconcile. In fact, he said it in such a way in, in Matthew 5 that if you have anything against your brother, he said, leave your offering. He said, leave your offering, don't come worship, go be re reconciled. This was the heart of God. In fact, at another time, he said that it's better that you would reconcile if you and your, someone that you're in conflict with, if you guys can't navigate it or, or, or get to a solution, and that if, if it has to pass up to a judge, he said it's better that you would reconcile quickly 
instead of it getting to a judge where it'll get caught up in due process. And he said that it, you can be sure that you will not be free until every penny is paid. In other words, what he's saying is that delay in your life comes from the lack of reconciliation. That things get caught up because we won't go through. So God wants to confront, God wants to get us through the things that are difficult in our lives, the things that we typically want to avoid, that we're uncomfortable with. And can I just tell you the comfort in this is that he is the comforter. So when you get uncomfortable, he will comfort you. But the antithesis of that is that if you're comfortable, then you don't need him. So as long as you stay comfortable, you don't need the comforter. But when you get uncomfortable with some things and say, I'm going to worship in a way I may have never worshiped before. I'm going to surrender in a way that I've never surrendered before. When you step out in faith, now the comforter can come do what he wants to do in your life. But let me be sure to just release some wisdom with this because um, I, I think oftentimes we can take the word and immediately we can take something like this and we're thinking about other people. Uh, you know what I'm talking about. There's people right now, you're like, I need to text them. They need to hear this. <laughs> they need this right. I'm going to send them 15 notes on this message. Right? And you may go home and say, I want to confront this right now and call out people or maybe even have some difficult conversations with your family, whatever it is that you may be going with, can I just release some wisdom? Confront it in yourself first. The worst people at confrontation are the ones that don't know how they contributed to the problem in the first place. And can I tell you, if you've got a problem in your life, let me just reassure you, you contributed to it. It may not be all your fault, but if you can't take the time to recognize how did you contribute to it, you probably aren't fit to confront it. The person that God can't help is the one that it's never their fault. It's not, it's not my fault. It's them. It's because of what they did. That's why I did what I did. That person is the one that never repents. It's the person that never recognizes, where did I fall short? So the goal of this is to confront it in ourselves first, to let God do the work in us first, and then peacefully and humbly go to that other party, whoever that may be, and have that conversation together but to take the time to say, Lord, put me on the altar. Search my heart. Do something in me first. So if I could ask it in a different way, the question would be, what in your life have you been avoiding? What in your heart, in your past, in your identity, have you been skipping around and going the long way around? Because God says, you've got to go through. We're not going around anymore. We don't have time to. Now, the Jews would much rather go around. The disciples that day would have much rather have gone around. So I want to read the rest of this text to you and teach it. 
and we're going to pray. John 4, starting in verse 4, and I'm going to go to verse 10. It says, and Jesus had to pass through Samaria. Verse 5, so he came to a town in Samaria called Sakar, near the field that Jacob had given to his son Joseph. Verse 6, Jacob's well was there. And I felt this just burst in my spirit that God's bringing people to wells of revival. Prayers that were prayed centuries ago will be released in the earth in this generation. And Jacob's well was there. So Jesus, wearied as he was from his journey, was sitting beside the well. It was about the sixth hour. It was about the sixth hour. And then verse 7 says, And a woman from Samaria came to draw water. About the sixth hour. It looks like it was an appointment that day. I know it wasn't an appointment for the disciples. They didn't know what was on heaven's calendar. Oftentimes we don't know what's on heaven's calendar and what God's wanting to do, but sometimes God's setting you up for appointments, divine moments, and this was an appointment that day. She didn't even know that it was an appointment, but Jesus was right there, right on time. Now the Bible says that this is about noon about the noon hour. The sixth hour is, is noon in Jewish culture. And at noon, no one's at the water well. It's when the sun is the highest in the sky, it is beaming hot, no one would dare be out there at noon. They would typically go early in the morning when the sun is, is fresh, the day is fresh, and they would get water and enough water for their business or for their family for that day. And so it was a, it was a watering whole place that literally was a gathering space for the community there. And so in the mornings, multiple people, multiple families would be there. Maybe this is why this woman wasn't there, because she didn't want to be around everybody, because they knew her history. We come to find out in this scripture that this woman had had five husbands, and she was currently with another man, and they weren't married. And so it, it, it appears that this woman chose to specifically be there at noon, hoping that no one was there. Because she didn't want to hear the gossip. She didn't want to have to deal with some things. She didn't want people to, to know all of her stuff. And so it's interesting that amongst the rejected people, the Samaritans, we have a rejected person in the middle of them. And it's this woman. But her rejection had led, led her to an appointment. Her rejection, the closed doors, the closed relationships had led her to a moment with the Savior that she didn't even know. That he was working out things for her that she had no awareness of. And she's there, and it's about noon. And at that time, she thought no one would be there but how many of you know, even when no one was there, Jesus was there? That in that time, when no one was there, when nobody picked up the phone, Jesus showed up right on time. Jesus is always there, even when you feel isolated, even when you feel alone, even when you feel ostracized, even when you feel rejected, Jesus is there. 
And Jesus is here and he's ready to have a conversation with her. The rejection had led her to this moment of an appointment. And maybe you've dealt with rejection. Maybe you've dealt with some closed doors, some broken relationships, some things that have taken place. And you're like, why did these happen? Why did they leave? Why didn't I get the job? And see, sometimes it's a blessing that you don't fit in. It's a blessing that the relationship didn't work. Because it's in those times that God can say, now I don't have to get you out of something I didn't make you for. Amen. See, let me just share my testimony a little bit. I'm from Georgia, and I'm the oldest of uh, five. And in my life, my parents had a divorce when I was in ninth grade. And a, a lot of things came out, really shattered our lives. And how many know divorce is not the heart of God? Let me say it again. Divorce is not the heart of God, but God can restore, and God can heal, and God can make whole. The reason why divorce isn't the heart of God is because it literally says in Scripture, God hates divorce. Why does he hate divorce? Because he loves family. That's why. Because his heart, he created the family unit to survive, but the Lord can make whole all things. So in my family, as, as we walked through that, it was really a, a, a difficult time in my life. I grew up in church, but I never um, believed in the Lord, never gave my life to the Lord, and, um, and I knew all the religious stuff. And after a bit, I actually got graduated from high school in the week right after, I gave my life to the Lord, got baptized in the Holy Ghost, got radically changed, and changed everything. And all of a sudden, I could see how God had been divinely protecting my life and things I didn't even realize. See, I really should be a statistic today. A young black man on the streets in Columbus, Georgia, which is where there's a ton of gang violence. I really should have been swept up in that, but I had a praying mom. I had a mom that I didn't know, even though I didn't see that he was working, he was working. He was doing things for me that I had no idea about. And it's a blessing when you don't fit in. It's a blessing when you don't, you don't get along with the things that God doesn't have for you. But likewise, there is community that he does have for you. The body of Christ amongst like-minded believers in which you can then influence others that may not be there, but you can reach them, that you can love them as you are healed and whole. For the surrendered believer, he causes all things, somebody say all things, all things. to work together. I wanna to read this scripture to you, Romans 8, 28. Romans 8, 28 says, and we know that God causes all things to work together for the good of those who love God and to those who are called according to his purpose. Many people will read this scripture and think it says God is saying everything's going to work out. That's not what it says. Many people will read this scripture and say everything happens for a reason. 
God's over all of it, and it's all going to be fine in the end. That's not what this scripture says. This scripture says all things will work together for the good of those who love him. So in other words, if you don't love him, I'm sorry, it's not going to work out. In contrary to popular belief, everything doesn't happen for a reason. Everything is not God. Everything that happens in your life is not what the Lord wanted. People make decisions. The enemy will, will come against you. Things will happen. But we have an assurance from this word that it will work for those that love him. So it doesn't matter what they did, it'll work if you love them. But if you don't love him, this isn't, it's not going to work. And oftentimes what we've done is we've mingled our faith with other religions and other mindsets that aren't biblical, and we've got this karma-esque type gospel that we think everything happens for a reason. What goes around comes around. Some things just keep going around. This scripture says it works together for those that love him. First step is, the question is, do you love him? Then secondly, it says, in those that are called according to his purpose, it'll work for you. Oftentimes we ask the question, God, show me my purpose. That's the wrong question. The question you should be asking is, God, show me your purpose. God, show me your purpose, what you want to do in the earth, and let me join it. Let me lay my life down for your purpose in the earth. That's the question you ask, and it's for those people that say, I love God, I pursue him, I have a relationship with him, and it's those people that say, I'm surrendered to him. It's for those that it says, everything will work. The good, the bad, the ugly, the things that were meant for you, the things that were not meant to happen. The things that were God, the things that were not God's heart for you, yet he can make it work. This is how he redeems testimonies. This is how he redeems your past. This is how God doesn't erase your past. He heals it, and he redeems it, and he uses it. But he doesn't wipe it out. Why? Because there's power in what you've walked through when you're surrendered to Jesus. Somebody say yes. All things will work for those that love him. I want worship team just to join me, whoever may be available. All things will work for those that love him. In this text, Jesus is having this conversation with this woman, and he's changing her life. And she is, she is realizing that he's a prophet. She's realizing that he knows everything about her, the intimate details about her heart. And she's having revelation, she's having breakthrough. But if she had not been rejected, like I said earlier, she had five husbands. You may look at that and say, that's, you know, you, you, you may downplay who she is, but in that culture, the woman never had 
the ability to file for a divorce. Only the man did. So it's believed that this woman was rejected at least four to five times. The other thing that plays into this is that men did not live as long as women um, in this culture either. So, so either way, we find that this woman has landed here due to a various amount of decisions in closed doors and broken relationships, people that were supposed to love her that didn't. And here she is alone and Jesus is satisfying her soul. Jesus is speaking to her. And I want to just close reading these, these last few verses. I'm going to jump down in this scripture, John 4, verse 27 through 30. It says, and at this point, his disciples came. So he's having this conversation and the disciples are off getting food, finding something for Jesus. And they come back and they find it. He's having this conversation with this Samaritan woman. And look what happens. The disciples come and they are amazed that he had been speaking with a woman in the first place. And there's, there's so much in this text, I don't, I don't have the time. Yet no one said, what are you seeking? Why are you speaking with her? Verse 28 says, so the woman left her water pot and went into the city and said to the people, come and see a man who told me all the things that I have done. Is this not the Christ? Verse 30, they left the city and were coming to him. And verse 28 says that she left her water pot. She had went there that day to draw water, but she didn't need it anymore. She had went there that day to get water for that day, but she had gotten water for her eternity. She went there that day to get what she thought she needed. But God had led her to a moment that satisfied her in a way that nothing else could. See, part of the problem for most of us is we're living from bucket to bucket. We're living from one bucket that satisfies to the next bucket that satisfies to the next thing that satisfies instead of having a well that never runs dry, that never runs out. And God wants to satisfy you today. God has an incredible way of shaking idols out of our lives. He has an incredible way of making things not work so that way you can be free of what you didn't know you needed to be free of. And I felt the Lord say that there's people here today that you need refreshing. You need the outpouring of his spirit. You need a fresh touch from heaven. And the Lord has brought you to such a time as this to receive the water of life. So here's what I'd love to do. Can we stand to our feet all across this place? I, I could keep preaching on this forever and I, I don't have the time. But I feel the Holy Spirit is here, right here in this moment to satisfy. He's here right now in this moment to release his love, his heart over you, his peace, his power over your life. Part of the thing, and I just felt this in my spirit, that maybe even you're married today and you've been expecting your spouse to satisfy you in ways they cannot. Can I just help you? 
your spouse is a source in your life. They are not the source. It is healthy that they are a source. They will be a source of confidence and a source of peace and a source of identity and a source of, of meeting your needs. Absolutely. But they can never be the source for you. They will never be enough to satisfy you. Only Jesus can satisfy you. And when Jesus satisfies you, now you can live your life in your marriage and with your children and with your family the right way instead of expecting things of them that they cannot be for you. Only Jesus can make you whole. Only he can fill you up. So across this place, can we just do this? Can we close our eyes and can we lift our hands today? Come on, across this place, if you say, I, I need to be refreshed. I need to feel the water of heaven to run down in my soul. Come on, with your hands lifted, I'm just going to begin to pray over you, but you're going to have to open your mouth. You're going to have to talk to him today. I know you like other people doing all the work for you, but the Lord says I, I, he's got to hear from you. What do you need in your life? What have you been walking through right now? Come on, begin to talk to your Father. Father, Lord, we thank you for the outpouring of your spirit. We thank you, Lord, that you would release refreshing, that you would release, Lord, the waters of heaven. He who refreshes others shall himself be refreshed. I thank you, Lord, that you are pouring out your spirit in such a way today. Have your glory, Lord. Set us free from the past. Set us free, Lord, from the fear and the shame. Lord, help us to go through some things. Help us to confront. Help us to walk through the difficult situations. Help us, Lord, to go through Samaria. Help us, Lord, to get to our destination. Lord, time is too short for us to be going around. Time is too short for us, Lord, to be going through the same circles. Lord, I thank you, Lord, that this is a new season. And I call people, Lord, right now into their season into the fresh work of what God's doing today. I hear the Lord say, quit repeating old history. It's time to go through. Thank you, Holy Spirit. Lord, you're releasing breakthrough in this place right now. Come on, would you lift your hands and pray this out loud with me? Say, Jesus, Thank you that you've led me to this moment. I receive your word and your refreshing life into my soul. Father, I thank you right now. You're here to satisfy. You're here to bring breakthrough. Thank you, Father. Right before we close, if you're here today and you are a leader, if you're a leader, um, maybe you serve in some capacity here, I really felt this, small group leaders, I would just like for you to lift your hand today. And I just felt the Lord, the Lord's heart over you. And I just felt like the Lord said to say thank you Thank you for doing the hard work. Thank you for being the church with your hand lifted leader. I just want you just to close your eyes and I'm just going to speak this over you. Lord, I thank you right now, Lord, for your fresh outpouring 
over every leader's life, over every person that says, I've decided to lay my life down to serve somebody. I've decided to lay my life down, Lord, to love somebody. Lord, I thank you, Father, Lord, that you would strengthen and refresh them. Lord, your word says, he who refreshes others shall himself be refreshed. We claim that promise today, and we release it over their lives, Lord. Blessing over them, over their family. Thank you, Lord, for what you're doing, Lord, to accomplish the vision of heaven through this place. Have your glory today. In the mighty name of Jesus, we pray. And everyone would say amen. Amen, amen.